This is Alan. This is Brandon. And welcome to D6 Minutes, the miniatures gaming companion to Dice Over Everything, where we choose a topic and talk about them for as long as the dice decide. Last time... We were we were negative. About... We, we exercised our true skills of of constructive criticism. Or maybe it wasn't even constructive. Maybe it was just constructive like... Constructive in quotes, yeah. It was just more like understanding where you're negatives and games can come from so i don't i don't know if we're going to come to any understanding in this one other than maybe just kind of what we like but we'll see if we draw any conclusions from this usually the d6 yep. minutes is not about drawing wide conclusions but who knows so yep so this time so last time we talked about the worst things in war gaming for 2022 and this time we've switched over we've gone to our better angels and we're just going to talk about happy thoughts as we go and talk about the best things in 2022 for our war gaming journey all right this could be our experiences our things in the hobby whatever we we did all All right right, let's do it let's roll it up and work our way up to the top one minute one minute. So this is number three. So our third best thing. Yeah, so. so for me, this this short and sweet. Uh, my third best thing was playing Maze of Malkor for uh, Frostgrave. Mm-hmm. So the, the special thing about uh, Maze of Malkor is that it's in. Uh, it takes place in a university, in a, like an ancient university. So, at, with a lot of special terrain. So yeah, basically, it forced us campaign. 12 mission campaign 12. yes with where you're constantly if if you want to you know make it truly great and fun you want to create and assemble miniatures for the insides of a, of a city or castle or, or the university so it's been really fun uh as a hobby project just to create all this extra terrain and by the time we're done i'm gonna have like terrain to fill an entire castle it's very cool and very different. It's something that you generally wouldn't do. Like, I have these, like, feasting tables that I created, which mm-hmm. I never would have done normally. How about yeah, you? Yeah, your box keeps getting more and more full of that stuff. All right. <laughs> no, it's too full so, now. <laughs> all right. So this one, I could probably make a whole thing out of this, but we're not going to. So I think my favorite thing that's happened in the hobby space is there's been sort of a move in the, like, speed painting sphere from airbrushing like a few years ago, everything was about speed painting was all about like airbrushing that you saw come out. And last year, I've seen more of a transition towards using contrast paints. So basically just washing your miniature, but with like more complicated forms of washes. That, the high pigment ones. You yeah, you had to do with the inks or something before. Yeah, just with the airbrushing, it felt like when new people saw those videos as the way to paint things fast... They just felt this big barrier to entry for like the skills you needed, the equipment you needed. Yeah. But now just seeing equipment more for of... an airbrush is like three hundred dollars basically. Yeah. People always say, "Oh, just get an airbrush." An airbrush is less than half the cost of getting an airbrush. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just... a compressor. And the whole your pole painting stuff. set up to have filters in the booth and everything else and clean up. Yeah. It's just incredibly imposing on new people. But the whole speed painting, contrast paints development so that's been pushed over the last year so much better for new painters so yeah so basically the idea of doing zenithal and then going with a contrast or it's not like contracts are even new right that that entire kind of thing has been in the hobby for a long period of time it's just contrasts have become a good alternative to what they used to use right they used to use inks and things like that right you basically yeah. just need a high pigment wash mm-hmm. to do it uh and contrasts 
are the most easy and most widely available way to do the zenithal kind of technique that people have done forever, right? So it's it's great. I agree. It's really helped a lot of people. Yeah, Justin, one of our friends, um, shout out to Justin. Uh, the last cut of miniatures he painted, right, which which actually quite looked quite good. I was like, oh, wow, these are pretty good. And he's like, yeah, they're all contrast. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So he was doing everything with contrast. And yo, man, if it helps you paint, I'm all for it, even if it's not exactly the way I would do it. And it's not necessarily the fastest for me. Yeah, it's worked its way into my painting, but it's not like the primary technique. Anyways, that's, that's our minute on that. Let's go on to our our second best. Number two. Second best. Second best thing of 2022. Five on this one. Do you want All right. So I started last time, so you mm-hmm. start this time. All right. So my mine is basically a continuation of yours. So I would say Frostgrave, Maze of Malkor actually made it to my list too. Like, because this is our specific experiences. We've been playing mm-hmm. Maze of Malkor as the campaign that started sort of in the middle of 2022, and it's still ongoing. Yep. But all yep. the missions have been really thematic, like yeah, just how they, fun, yeah. just how the book describes the layout of the board, and just giving like just a narrative description of the mission you're playing in. Like so many missions you play in that people complain about are just like pushing buttons and taking zones. And this feels nothing like that. Even though most of the missions are go grab something from the middle and get treasure, just because of how well they describe like the monsters that appear, how the monsters appear, how you should set up the board, it like as a campaign game, it works so well with how the missions are laid out. And they're only two pages long too. It's not, and they don't even have diagrams. It's, I don't know, the whole feel of it is really good. So I would say that's my second best experience and just. With Malifaux, or not with Malifaux, with Frostgrave, Frostgrave just lets you really express how you want your war bands to look like. So I think it's the first one that I've been able to bring the witches that I painted pre-COVID, <laughs> but we weren't able to like have a big get-together for playing Frostgrave. So just super happy to be able to get guys that I've had ready for years on the board. And... I don't know, just seeing you guys, like I haven't created as much stuff, but I've been able to actually go back into my old miniatures and pull things out I haven't used for years, just get them on the board for the missions. And with having so many people playing, there's so many people who have miniatures collections that they get to show off as part of Frostgrave that that I really find enjoyable. So I don't know. If you get back to the screen, you can go for your number two. I don't know if you're going to grab stuff to show, but I could probably go on more about the maze of Malcor. The only, I guess, if I wanted to build more miniatures, it sort of differentiates from the regular bestiary, which is kind of all the monsters that randomly appear throughout the missions. But it's sort of meant that a lot of people have built a lot more, like vampires and stuff like that, that appear through this campaign. So it's been interesting seeing like different versions of monsters. If you kind of had played Frostgrave for a long time and gotten bored of the type of like monsters that appear through like your basic Frostgrave, this has given you like a good reason to go and expand all the beasts that appear. And oh, other stuff. Now I have to go and guess what Alan's number two is to fill this part in for him, or is he is he going to be back? No, I didn't know oh, what you're talking about. I was just listening intensely. 
Uh-huh. Uh, that was totally true. It was so great. I love Frostgrave, and that's definitely one of the strengths of uh, Joe McCullough. Like, uh, just all of the missions. Like, this is a kind of an unsung thing with the games he 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 designs that people like talk about. Oh, you know, it's cool rules. It's kind of like the the general system, but you don't generally talk about how well the these thematic mission designs are and how important it is to make how to why Frostgrave is so much more fun. It's literally not just the base game, which is great and well-written overall. It's not perfect, but it's great and well-written overall. But the missions and the themes of all these missions are so, add so much that you won't generally find even with like competing games like uh, Mordheim or something. Yeah, so I think you've got two minutes left for your number two. All right. My number two is Battletech Miniatures. <laughs> Just the miniatures, not the game so far. Okay. Uh, I haven't, I haven't really played the game yet, mm-hmm. so uh, I did read the rules. Uh, I, I guess they might be, it might be okay. Honestly, they looked a little bit complicated. I ended up, uh, I ended up like just because we were like shooting the shit one day, like writing some rules for these type of robot games. But it's just super fun because they're being so widely available and there's so much nostalgia. It's like grabbing a lot of people that maybe have walked away from the hobby or that. Uh, also, it, there's so many video games, so it's like grabbing a bunch of people from outer outside of the hobby, bring them in, people just like buying the miniatures, maybe they'll try it. Um, and that to me is great. Like anything, this is like the, the latest boom in miniatures, and it grabbed me. And yes. the one thing, the great thing about that is that it's a different, it's an entirely different scale and an, an, an entirely different um, aesthetic because it has hexes. And at first I was like, ugh, hexes, I want to play on a, you know, like a non-hex board and using measuring and everything like that. But then I played a game, not actual Battletech, but like a game using those models on a hex board with uh, a couple of family members, and they really enjoyed the fact that they didn't have to use a measuring stick. So yeah, the barrier to entry it creates looks pretty low because the miniatures are pre-assembled. It doesn't need measuring yep. devices. The Battletech yep. Alpha has much easier cards. So I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. So it's not my cup of tea. I don't think. Yeah. But maybe it'll be just sort of an interesting secondary yeah. game. But it, like I said, it's the minis because like the entire scale and everything just drags you uh, into a different kind of hobby space where I'm doing now. Like I'm like, oh, I'll buy these tanks and I'll buy this like these little like space, this hex hex terrain, uh, you know, and all this kind of stuff and painting this kind of thing that's an entirely different scale, an entirely different aesthetic. It's just a great and fun different thing to enter into. Which I quite enjoyed, and I feel like it it's totally, like like you said, it's a great way for other people who are not into, let's say, Games Workshop or other scrimmage games to get into mm-hmm. the game. Yeah, Epic 40K always looked cool to me, but I've never touched it. Anyways, maybe maybe that'll come back some year, too. All right. So, on to the, the top of ours of 2020. La numero uno, the two. best thing that happened in 2022 for us in our hobby journey. All right, let's see what this cursed Necromunda dice rolls. Four. Well, that's not so bad. No. Um, that's actually just ten minutes. Yeah. So, I think you can probably guess for me what my number one is. Uh, if you've listened to our podcast uh, for a while, you probably know what it is for me. Uh, it is during 2022, I bought a 3D printer. Mm-hmm. It is so freaking awesome. It is way better than I even thought it would be. Yeah, all so I've this been is a, painting for last like few weeks is miniatures yes. you've 3D printed for me, and yes. I have no, I have oh zero God. complaints about them. Like, 
2022, and technically it was like the end of 2021, um, they have been releasing printers that that can print in leaps and bounds higher quality. They're up to 8K now in terms of resolution on a little board, right? So uh, uh, you can, it's what, like, basically you can print things at 0.2 nanometer, which is, or 0.25, sorry, or 0.23, 0.23 is 8K on my printer. Yeah, so I have a frozen mini 8K it is such high quality. The only issue is that it, the, the print quality for the resin that I have, like to get the highest quality, you do need to have a certain type of resin, which makes it a little bit um, more uh, brittle, right? They're harder, but more brittle. So there's a, there is a kind of trade-off to get that high level, but the, the, it, it is often like better qualities than like plastic miniatures. Well, it is better quality than most plastic miniatures, right? But... So it is really high quality. It is so great. And the, the biggest thing is not even uh, just like printing miniatures. And it's definitely not the cheapness of it, right? There's actually quite a bit of effort, honestly, to print things off. But everything is to a level where it's manageable. Like as long as you have a room, a dedicated room that you can put your 3D printing stuff and all the cleaning stuff, uh, you, what the greatest thing is that you can print and you can find and print miniatures that would be so hard that just don't exist anywhere else, right? That it, we've gotten to a point where there are so many people creating 3D sculpts of things that you would not generally be able to get now. Like, for example, if you want an old hammer, like Mordheim Warband, that looks like miniatures that you got back in the day, mm-hmm. try finding the old Mordheim miniatures. It is impossible. You cannot yeah. buy them. They're out of print. They've never been printed for a while. And even if you did find Mordheim them, Mordheim is straight like, fantasy. You can't just go like to some whiz kids range and be like, "Oh, I want a bard with a mace." It's like, uh, <laughs> that's not what this looks like. You need a guy with like some some yeah. crazy like bear mask on him who's got like medieval armor. It's like this well, crazy. Shit. Yeah. Well, I think one of the hardest ones is the Sisters of Sigmar, which is this female like made like like nunnery like old world nunnery of mm-hmm. of uh that with all these these sisters and you can't get those miniatures you can't find anything in that that aesthetic really uh outside that's currently in print except for 3d printing where it's a popular thing to print right this is the thing that's very hard to find and the same thing like the reason why i bought this ak printer uh is it was almost on a whim because I was looking for for our game that, that we were creating, that's a fantasy kind of game. I wanted like super tough, like kind of space marine esque kind of things, like you know, tough space marines or like Halo or that kind of stuff. And I couldn't find any that I really liked, except that I found some that were 3D printable. And I'm like, okay, I really want those. Well, you know what? Actually, I started looking into it. And I'm like, wow, 8K printers, high quality. Uh, maybe I'll go pick it out. And it was like on sale so i went and picked it up and i was blown away and i've been like printing and super happy ever since printed off some mordheim stuff i've printed off some stuff to fill out my bolt action uh polish army that i originally i wasn't going to to fill it in but i'm like oh i found a whole bunch of stls for like vehicles i'll go in and and print those out and now i have a bunch of things that you literally like are it's super hard to find right to fill in fill in my Polish army and this is something that it's so easy to do and then another thing is like if you order something like Polish army technically you can buy from from other places or other 
other uh, people. But like, um, the shipping is often really expensive, right? And then if you buy a whole bunch of stuff and then you realize you need a little bit more, it's super pain in the butt to order another shipment. Whereas 3D printing, you can just free print another couple of guys. But yeah, that, that's the thing that was mind blowing about these. I'm like, oh, what would happen if I wanted one more of these? Because I have five, but I want like six for this squad. It's like, oh, yeah. so you could just make another one you for me? Print one oh my more. God, yep. you don't have to go buy a whole box of the figures. You could just have one more of the one you want. It's so just, it's mind blowing the fact that you could do that. Anyways. It's now at a reasonable cost. Sorry, yeah. I ran over. So yeah, what what's so your number my, one? My one minute of number one, it is Infinity because the miniatures are still still super detailed they're really fun to paint they're really detailed they're they're like expressive the miniature or the mission system its has it's like it hasn't changed massively this year but it just keeps being better and better honed that the missions are more multi-dimensional not one-dimensional and it's still so it makes it play even more tactically and just the changes they've made to the scoring system for tournaments so you're not encouraged just to run up to the maximum score that once you get enough points, you can kind of just like avoid stomping your opponent into the dust. You're like, okay, this is good yeah. enough. I've got max points. It just makes the tournaments play like in the more friendly style you expect Infinity to play and like collaboratively, even though it's like a very competitive game. So I think just the direction it moved was really so good. positive. The great things about the mission systems, I totally agree, is they have put in so this is a seasonal kind of mission system and they've kind of done a thing in the past three and they've continued and they've continued to do it and improve on it is that every season there's a twist and that's this is a twist that you know as a player is going to go away but it's a thing that changes games up and has fun you have like an extra unit right that you can often play in a bunch of missions just just like to spruce things up and make things different and have fun for that season. And because it's in the mission system that you know is going to change, it doesn't feel like you know that you don't have to like it, – it doesn't change it permanently. You know that it's a thing that just keeps things interesting. It's kind of like what I was talking about with Frostgrave, right? That uh, it helps keep things interesting and, and uh, updated and different as it goes through, right? It gives so much theme. And so I, I totally agree. The Infinity mission system is so much, be so much better. And also – one thing that this is a runner-up for me, uh, for, like for the Infinity, um, is they changed the link teams rules. I don't know if this was this year or it was last year, but I've definitely year. started. Okay, well, I I only experienced it this year because this is the year that we we, we played a lot more of at uh, N4. Yep. And they nerfed five-man link teams, and that has made the game so much better because uh, I hate link teams. Even though yeah. I use them all the time, so I want to yeah. win. Yeah, I've started playing <laughs> Army without link teams, and I'm really happy that they're yeah. not just like the ultimate power weapon on the board. So I can play yeah. my O12 army that's not a sectoral that uses link teams and just yeah. try out different stuff without just knowing there's one power way of playing. So I don't yeah. know. Do we do we have any overarching thoughts on what made all these things our favorites? Because there was quite a wide variety of these. Like this wasn't our worst. We had a we had a bit of a thread yeah. through that one. But I don't know if there's a yeah. common thread for this. Just like there's different. <laughs> was the thread GW? <laughs> on our. No, no. I, my, my number worse was Infinity as well. Infinity, but like a, a small thing that happened in Infinity. That's not yeah. a big thing that happened in Infinity models. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, is there a thread? 
No, well, it's, it's just it's no, super it's positive. Just... Like they're all different positive things. Like there's just the creative yeah. aspect. It's more about like just well, I think tie them together is just different ways of like expressing creativity in wargaming. Not just like the one way of expressing yeah. creativity. I think is just what makes me enjoy them. Like for Infinity, mm-hmm. it's the creative ability to play fresh. That. Yeah, it's it keeps it fresh by like having different ways to play the missions in Infinity because Infinity is a tactical game. For mm-hmm. Frostgrave, just like the creative expression of being able to build the stuff because the game's not about like super competitive. It's about yeah. just coming up with a creative setting and it like it really allows you to do that with your war bands, which it always did, and the Maze of Melkor specifically we talked about. You get to like mm-hmm. the missions are just really creative and encourage creativity. And the I don't know, my topic of airbrushing to speed painting, it just gets yeah. more people in. Yep. Rather than and showing I guess for you the me, one way to paint. Yeah, for me, I guess it, the, the big thing is just being like experiencing different things in terms of the hobby side, right? Because mine was 3D printer, uh, Battletech, which is a different kind of experience, and then Maze of Malcor, specifically for building the terrain, which is a different kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the kind of thing where we have a, just the expression of creativity and new things. You can do it both in in the assembly hobby aspect of it and also in the gameplay which was what you were more focused on right so i think that was great and i think honestly these things will continue to to grow and improve in uh 2023 i think we're we've got a good year uh with a lot of the negatives i i, I honestly can't see the negatives that happened in 2022 being the same burden besides my number one uh on us uh in in the new year so I think that's mm-hmm. great. And yet the all the, the stuff that we mentioned uh, for 2022 that were great, I think they're going to continue. Yeah. No, I think if you choose the games that let you do things creatively the way you want to, you can stay mm-hmm. away from like the negative aspect. So I don't know. That's, yeah. that's our takeaway for what, what gives positive – what should give some positive wargaming experiences in 2023? Yeah. So I think overall 2023 tw- two was you know, a pretty good year actually overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that is it for this podcast. I think the last thing we have is just um, our f- worst and, and favorite war games overall of last year. Um, that'll be our last thing. Uh, and if you want to hear that, uh, tune in next time. Otherwise, if you want to uh, have us answer any of the questions that you have, either reflecting on 2022 or looking forward to 2023, give us a shout. You can email us at contact at diceovereverything.com. Or find us on Facebook, where Dice Over Everything. This is Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. Bye.